So uh, my name is Kylie. And um, the thing about me, oh, here's something about me. My mum's here. Give it away. Fancy, she stands up and does away without being asked, whose daughter am I, hey? <laughs> Great to have you here, Mum. Um, I'm going to include you. I've got a few questions that I forgot to prepare beforehand, so I'll just have to double-check as we go along. And we've got a few other people here who are visitors as well. As I said, if you've come from, you're on a holiday or from another church, wherever, you're so welcome here today. Um, so I don't know about you, but when I am here on a Sunday and we worship together, Oh, I feel so inspired and heroic and peaceful and it's so good to be together, isn't it? And then halfway through the week, it, it's a bit different for me. I don't know if it's different for anyone else, but it gets a bit different for me. And by the time Friday rolls along, depending on what's going on in that week, it can be significantly different for me. See how I've been hanging out with my mum? I sounded really Kiwi then, didn't I? So um, <clears throat> significantly different. So this is the verse that I want to share, first of all, that's really, you probably don't know this one off by heart, Judges 16, 16. I do now. This one sums up how I've been feeling. You know, I think there's uh, every season you could ever go through, it's reflected in the Bible, in the Scriptures. You can, anything you're going through, it's right there in the Scriptures uh, as an echo. So this is me this week. This is actually about uh, Samson and Delilah. And Samson was a really strong man for God, and Delilah is his wife. Um, And it says, She nagged him every day with her words and pestered him until he was annoyed nearly to death. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not the she in this one. This is not a husband and wife kind of deal going on here. I'm a great wife. That would never happen in my family. (laughs) It's not about the mother and the mother-in-law either. Um, but, uh, but about being annoyed. I don't feel annoyed at all when I'm here with you beautiful people. Uh, but by Tuesday, I can feel annoyed at people. And, um, I took a little survey just to see if I was on my own. Turns out I'm not. Annoying people. We've all got one. That's... And pretty much unless you're a, t- a hermit, you know, you'll, you'll have some annoying people. So I took a survey on Facebook and other people contacted me personally. Um, and some people told me they were too nervous to write anything down because in case it was incriminating. So here's just a couple of the things that came up uh, on the Facebook survey. And I didn't even put it on Paul Lincoln by swap and sell. Imagine what would happen if I did this. So some things that annoy us about other people, just for instance... Chewing with their mouth open. People who say one do thing and do the other. People who borrow money off you and then avoid you forever after that. People who cough in your direction. Who does that? Someone wrote that. Bad drivers. People who don't indicate. People standing too close. There's that one guy who always wants to borrow money. People who always make you buy the coffees. The interrupter. People constantly on their mobile phones when you try to talk to them, right? Or even worse, they're always on their mobile phones except for when you call them or text them. They never get back to you because they're like, oh, I didn't have my phone on. You're like, you always are glued to your phone. People who only call you when they want something. They never ask how you are. Strangers talking to loud. People who try to bring you on their, driver, on their drama. People who think they know everything. People who constantly ask for your advice and then never take it and keep complaining. People with bad breath. 
blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on, etc. The thing is, once you get really annoyed, it doesn't matter what they do, they become annoying people. So without saying any names, no, don't say any names or look around or anything like that. I just want to see a quick show of hands just to check if I'm on the right page here. If you can think of at least one person in your world, maybe a classmate, a workmate, a family member, God forbid, a, um, oh, two hands going up at the back. People are already, yeah. Hands up if there's someone, a neighbor, someone who's annoying. Yeah. You got someone. Everyone's got someone. Okay. No names. In fact, when I told people I'm preaching in, you know, a few Sundays and they said, oh, what are you talking on? Because normally I'm super spiritual and I'm like, I'm talking about annoying people. And universal reaction was, oh, I have so many of those. (laughs) Universal. And I actually, uh, so that's what we're talking about today, annoying people. Everyone's got one. They're everywhere. What's our natural response, our normal How do I block her in real life? What's our natural response? What's the first thing that we do when someone becomes super annoying to us? This is what I think and what I've noticed in myself and what I've noticed in other people. And, you know, you you might not be all of them or you might be many, many more. Who knows? But don't you sort of feel that you try to avoid them? Um, Sometimes people show a bit of facial displeasure. You might roll your eyes or something. People can become a bit sarcastic. I'm seeing a few nods here. Uh, You might vent about them. You might have a laugh about them to a friend or vent to your friend about them. Certainly vent in our own minds. You ever catch yourself doing that? If she sits next to me one more time, if she does that one thing one more time, oh my gosh, she did it. I can't believe it. (laughs) Smiling all the time, that venting in our mind. Uh, And possibly, if it gets bad, uh, venting to their faces. (laughs) So... Am I, is it fair to say that, all those things? That's what we sort of do. So I've really struggled in myself to, um, to agree with myself uh, to speak about this topic today, annoying people, for these reasons. First of all, because I felt like God was saying, this is the thing to talk about, and I'm kind of like, I don't want to deal with that. I've got annoying people, but I don't want to deal with them. I'm the one trying to avoid them. And what's the big deal? You can't be friends with everyone. You can't be besties with everyone. There's people we click with, and there's people we just don't get on with. And isn't that okay? That's right. That's right. It is. Uh, And also to preach on it, when we have the wonders of God, the wonders of his word, the mysteries of God in the universe, and I'm talking about annoying people, it doesn't feel like a very spiritual topic. Correct, it's not. Um, And then I thought, you know, this is what I'm telling myself. Probably God doesn't even really care. I mean, you know, someone who just rubs us up the wrong way. God doesn't, can't really care about every little thing, can he? Every single little thing. Can't there just be a little space in our heart where we're just annoyed at that person and God just understands because he knows they're annoying. He knows all things. So surely he can just like let that one slide, let it be. He can't really care about that, can he? This is what I'm telling myself. Do we have to be utterly perfect about all things? Can we just let this one little area of our lives just slide? Uh, And um, that's what I've been going through over the past few weeks. And I've come to the conclusion that I was wrong on all of those. Hence... 
the preaching called Annoying People, we've all got one. Because if God doesn't care about the state of our hearts towards other people, then what does he care about? That's the thing that he cares about. Our transformed hearts, our renewed minds towards other people. Didn't Jesus say everything God ever said can be summed up in these two things? Love God and love other people as you love yourself. And in just pretending it's okay for me to just keep on with my annoying crowd here and feel however I want towards them and do that venting thing in my head, I'm ignoring the whole second part, aren't I? If God doesn't care about the state of our hearts and our minds towards other people, then what does he care about? He absolutely does. And the principle of God and the way that he made us is this. This is the way he made humans. If we're faithful in the small things, then we can become faithful in the big things. That is always a solid rock principle of God. And again, like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but if you look around the world, uh, yeah, even this morning I had a conversation about it, we can feel like um, the world is becoming less open to Christianity. It's becoming more complex. And you might be able to look forward and see a day where following the things that Jesus told us to do might actually even be against the law. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, another country made it illegal uh, to evangelize, to speak to people about Jesus. And Jesus told us we have to. That's go and spread the good news. And they made it illegal with some sort of punishment like 15 years in jail. So we might be able to look forward in time and see that even in Australia, following Jesus at some point may actually have dire consequences for us, right, in society. And when I think of that, I become really passionate and heroic. I'm all like, Lord Jesus, the darker the night, the brighter I'll shine for you. You send me and I will go. You put the words on my lips and I will say them. No law's going to stop me. No amount of persecution's going to stop me. Bring on the torture. I will be strong for Jesus. You can count on me, Lord. No one's nodding. I must be the only one who feels like this. I get really heroic. I'm like, count on me, Jesus. I'll shine so bright. But, I mean, what the heck do I, how do I think I'll be able to literally love my enemies if they're persecuting me? If I genuinely can't cope with that person who just sighs really loud. <laughs> they're just annoying, slightly just slight irritations, and I'm, I can't cope. My poor mum this week, even though, did I tell you I was preaching on this? I think so, yeah. Um, but it's like, I'm like a packet of Pringles at the moment. Once you start, you just can't stop. Yeah. Once I start complaining about things, I, I don't seem to be able to stop myself. So we need to learn how to be faithful in the small things before we can be faithful in the big things. And maybe that is what's going to happen in Australia one day, and maybe we will face you know, extreme persecution, who knows, or who knows what God um, sees for your future, but we've got to start with these little things. And consider, you know, we've been talking about uh, freedom this year. Pastor Robert, at the very beginning of the year, said, you know, to one heart church, freedom this year. Everything we're talking about is God wants to make us free. Think of a little bird, like a sweet little sparrow or a sweet little finch. Finch. Uh, you can have a big huge big chain tied to its foot and it can't fly it's not free but you can have a tiny tiny cotton thread tied to its foot 
and it can't fly. It's not free. It doesn't matter how thick the chain or how thin the chain, uh, how small the attachment is. If we're not free, we're not free. And God wants us to live so free that he commanded us, Jesus said, to love our enemies, our actual enemies. Think of like wartime, our actual enemies who are genuinely trying to hurt us and our families. And so if God thinks that we can be that free in our hearts, he certainly, he certainly has made a way for us to be free even to annoying people, even for annoying people. So, I've got one. Have you gleaned that? I've got an annoying person, like a thorn. Uh, I'm going to call this person someone who works at my work, and uh, we're going to call them annoying guy, okay? Not guy. Guy's an awesome guy. This is some other guy called annoying guy, just to protect identity. The thing is, the weird thing is, I did not realize straight away that this was annoying guy. I thought, you know, we got on okay. Everything was fine in the beginning. It was just little bit by little, one day, one thing, one day, the next thing. He just kind of grew more irritating as time went on. And so I'd never reflected on it and I never thought about it and I never prayed about it and I never um, kind of realized that there really were issues growing until it was so late that I feel like my whole skin is itching because I can hear them chewing or the way that they breathe. Annoying guy breathes like no one ever else has breathed and I want them to stop breathing. So my whole... I'm like, if I, <laughs> if I had realized early on in those first halcyon days that uh, the irritations were beginning to come, uh, if I'd been aware of that, I might have been able to have some sort of conversation, have some conflict resolution, say, hey, um, why don't you just check before eating my lunch? Or whatever, whatever it was, okay? That was one thing, but whatever, whatever it was. We could have had some conflict resolution and maybe even healed the relationship. But I didn't realize until it was so late that now I'm too pent up. And if I was to try a conflict resolution, I'm saying things like, I hate the way you breathe. I hate the way you chew. I hate the smell. I hate the way that you, everything you do with your hands when you talk, how you open your mouth when you talk, everything. I am not interested. Um, it's too late for me for a conflict resolution. I am sorry. But the Bible says to confess our sins to one another. So... I'm laying it all out there today. He has just become annoying guy in bright red. So one day, this day, I so, oh, well, this is the day that I realized it's, whew, it's gone too far. He's annoying guy now. Um, I just vented a little bit to a friend. I was just like, oh, man, have you seen what annoying guy does, how it's so annoying? I use his actual name. I don't say things like that about people in real life. And, um, and my friend laughed. And then I laughed a bit. And then she said, yeah, I have seen that. And, it's, and, and have you seen how annoying guy does this? And I had. And I thought, that is quite funny. And I had a little laugh too. And So we both had a little laugh. 
And I felt a little bit bitter. I felt a little bit vintage. That's why we call it vintage. You know, a little bit of the pressure had gone. And I thought, ah, oh, that was a bit of relief. And I didn't think anything of it. But God, a few weeks later, has been talking to me about this and showing me that it's not his way. There's actually a better way. And if I just continue to keep doing that venting, actually I just make it worse because it just keeps the problem going and the problem just keeps escalating. So that, I tried that for a few weeks. Trust me, it didn't work. And, uh, and what I want to share with today is um, what God has been sharing with me and hopefully we can learn from each other and we can just support each other in this as we draw closer to Jesus Christ and become more and more like Jesus and do things his way because his way is the free way and it's, it's going to be the good way. So <clears throat> that's what I want to share this morning, what God has been saying to me about it after I was doing the laughing behind the person's back. So one day I was praying just a normal like Put annoying guy on pause. I'll come back to him in a minute. I hadn't seen him that day. I was completely not praying about him at all. Uh, just praying, normal prayer time. And I was actually thinking about and reflecting on the kingdom of God sayings that Jesus had. So you're probably familiar with these if you've been in church for a while. The kingdom of God, uh, Jesus gave us stories, metaphors about what the kingdom of God is like to describe how God feels about us in ways that we can understand. So Jesus said the kingdom of God is like an old woman who loses a gold coin, a precious gold coin, and she, you know, ransacks the whole house. And when she finds it, she has a big party. The kingdom of God is like a, uh, um, a, a merchant who goes into a marketplace and he finds a pearl of immeasurable price. And he goes and he sells everything that he has just to buy that pearl. Or a kingdom of God is, like, is a man who looks in a field and he finds a great treasure hidden in the field. And he goes and he sells everything that he has to go back and, fi- and buy that field uh, to get that great treasure. And in these stories that Jesus told, God is the one who sees a great treasure, a great value, immeasurable value in us. And he gave up everything. Jesus gave up heaven and uh, humbled himself to be, you know, a man. We're like styrofoam cups. We're so breakable and um, our lives are like a mist, you know. So Jesus gave up everything for us. And I was just thinking of, this is like a little thought of thing I was doing in my prayer time that day. I was trying to think of nowadays situations that Jesus might say nowadays about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And one of them I thought of, which I've thought of before, is particularly relevant this time of year, I think, especially maybe if you've got children. Um, The kingdom of heaven, you could say, is like a mother from the country, a countryfied mother, who goes to Adelaide, Rundle Mall, Adelaide City, at Christmas time with her toddler. And just after one second, she turns around and her toddler is gone. How much will that mother search and search and search and search? And she will give up her flight back to, to Port Lincoln and she'll leave her job and mortgage her house and just search and search and search until she finds her child, won't she? And as I was thinking this, I'm just praying and just thinking that, and I felt like, oh, that would be terrible if something happened to my poor babies. And I remembered that this happened to my mum, didn't it? My little brother, how old was he, like three? Patrick, how many hours did he go missing for? Two hours. My little brother went missing. 
he got found. He went off with a stranger who actually took him to the police station, thank God. He's like, do you want to come with me, little boy? And Patrick's like, yes. Off they go and took him to the police station. Two, two hours later, she found him. But during that two hours, I was just reflecting. All of a sudden, I just had this memory that my mum lost my little brother. The other three of us kids are there. At no point would my mum have gone, ah, well, I've got the other three. We might as well go home. At no point would my mother have gone, ah, well, Patrick, the little one, he was always the naughtiest. Let's go, kids. Let's leave him. At no point. She didn't stop and and calculate his good points and bad points. She probably abandoned the other three children, if I'm perfectly honest, put us somewhere and said, stay, did you? Probably, yeah. In order to find her lost child. And I just thought of that, and it all came rushing in on me, and I just felt like that is how God feels to me and God feels to you. And it's got nothing to do with if you've done good stuff or done bad stuff, or even if you believe in him or know anything about him, or, or if you think you're not worthy or something. That's not even the question. It's not even the right question, because he is... The father who searches for his child, not because of the good or the bad that child's ever done, or because he's got heaps of other children, he can give up on that one, but because we are his children and he will never give up wooing us and searching for us and, and coming after us and trying to give us hope and life. And, uh, and I became overwhelmed at this thought and I just started to cry. I was like, just realizing how much God values me, not for anything I could ever do, just values me completely. Jesus gave us life on the cross. I just began to think, if we knew, if we just lived every moment of every day knowing that, soaking in that, I am completely loved, then wouldn't that make an incredible difference to our lives? We wouldn't have this comparison game we have with our other people and with our neighbours. We wouldn't have fears like we do. We wouldn't have worries about the future. Have you ever been to the ball, the foam pit at the gymnastics club? Put your hands up if you have. If you've got kids, you've been lucky to go as a, an, on a kid's party. If you haven't, let's organise a party and go there. It's amazing. They have a big like swimming pool. Instead of water, it's filled with big chunks of soft foam. And you fall back into it, and you're just caught by all the soft foam. You can never get hurt. Uh, Knowing that you are so valued and so loved by Jesus, by the creator of the whole universe, is like living life, like falling backwards into the foam pit. It doesn't matter even if we fall. It doesn't matter if we fail. God will always catch us. There's always a soft landing. He's always for us. He always is for us. He always values us. He's always coming after us. He's never the one going, you've you've had your three tries. He's never the one going, you're the naughty kid. He's never the one going, I've looked for long enough and it is dinner time. I've got to go. He always is looking for us like my mum would never have given up looking for my little brother. So I was sitting there as I was praying And I started to cry and I just felt so overwhelmed by the incredible love of God. And if I had one wish in the universe, I would wish that each person here 
would be able to live in that knowledge that you're so valued and so loved. That is genuinely the one thing that I wish. And so I was just sitting there quietly and tears are coming down my face. I'm like, I can't just get over how much God loves me. And it's like I heard like a little whisper in my mind, you know, yes, that much, that much I love you. Not like an external voice, but just an impression in my mind. I love you that much, kindly that much. And that much is how much I love annoying guy. (laughs) You see what he did there? (laughs) As I was crying, feeling so valued, he said, that's how much I love He didn't say annoying guy. That's how much I love annoying guy. And it all came crashing back to me. And I started to see things that I'd done from Jesus' point of view, where previously I thought having this little laugh, this little vent with my friend was no big deal. That actually made me feel better and it made them feel better and it was a bit of fun. But now from Jesus' point of view, I saw I'm actually humiliating annoying guy and pointing out his faults to other people behind his back without having the courage to, you know, try and do a conflict resolution to his face. And, and we do not have the right to do that. When we're followers of Jesus, we do not have the right to point out each other's faults and to judge our brothers and sisters to other people and to, to gossip about them and to laugh about them behind each other's back. I just, it all came crashing into me and I saw my heart and Jesus' heart, and they did not look the same at all. So the things that we do in our culture, in our society, they seem normal. Maybe they seem even healthy to do with relationships, but they can be contrary to God's word. And what they do is they just put another thread on us, another thread on us, another thread on us, and prevent us from being free. Because now we're followers of Jesus, there is a new way to live, a better way to live. And we don't even have the right to like slander each other in our own minds or in our own hearts. Why? Because that's where God dwells. And it's not that, you know, don't think that bad thing in case God catches me and punishes me. It's that he has a better way for me to live. He has a way that is you know, written out in the scriptures for us, an instruction sheet on how we best live, how we can live lives free, to even love our enemies who are literally trying to hurt or harm or kill us. And he definitely can have a way that we can love our annoying people. In baptism, Shirley got baptized a couple of weeks ago. And and we, in baptism, we lay down our lives. We say we've put to death our own will. From now on, I follow your will, Jesus, Whatever I want has to come into submission to getting your work accomplished. And, uh, and that includes how we cope with or how we deal with or what we do with annoying guy, annoying people. And, you know, <clears throat> I am definitely not saying that you have to be best friends. And I'm definitely not saying that you can't have common sense and wise boundaries in place if somebody is... Um, demanding to your family time or taking you away from the things that you should be doing or um, hurting you or it's an abusive thing going on or something, then you should have those boundaries in place. But I'm talking about having a pure heart before God towards that person. So 
I'm going to give you four key points. Now, it wasn't a very spiritual title, but now I've brought it home with the four key points. Although for the life of me, I could not make them and I worked for a few hours trying to make them all have the same letter, but I couldn't do it. Who recognises what these are? The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. I feel like there's one more. Faithfulness, yeah. I think that's the one that sometimes is called long-suffering or forbearance. Yeah, so these are the fruits of the Spirit. Most of the time I think I'm probably, if I reflected on my life, to be brutally honest, I'd be like, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm flowing in the Spirit. Look at all the fruits of the Spirit in my life. Um, But on closer reflection, dealing with annoying guy, I've found that when people are really nice to me, I absolutely see these. And when people are really annoying, they kind of wither and die. And I see all of these. I avoid them, I roll my eyes, I'm sarcastic, I'm venting, I'm venting in my own mind, I'm venting to their face. And that is avoiding and rude and sarcastic and gossiping and anger and just mean. And I'm so sick of my fickle heart and the meanness in my heart. Uh, And I just thank God that he's given me the opportunity through annoying guy to see there's still problems in there and I want God to help me fix them. So my four key points, you should totally write these ones down. Count others, number one, count others more significant than yourself. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 to 5 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you not look only to your own interests, so you're allowed to look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And it goes on to talk about how he humbled himself. Count others more significant than yourself. So let's talk about what this means. Imagine that you are someone in kind of a huge big factory. And for five minutes a day, you have to give a report to the big CEO, like the owner, the big head honcho. He owns everything uh, he owns this billion-dollar complex, and you're just one of the middle guys. For five minutes a day, you have to give him a report. At the other end of the day, you have to give a five-minute report to a cleaner. Not the head cleaner, just the cleaner who comes in and does your little area. You just have to tell them what's happened that day. And they're both annoying. They're both super annoying, and they're both equally, equal amounts annoying. Don't you think that your reaction and your the way that you think of the other person and your behavior and the way that you treat the other person would be a bit different in our natural. Can you see that they'd be a bit different? Because we consider the CEO, the big boss man, as more significant. He's got the power to hire and fire us. So what we do in those situations is we keep a tight rein on our thoughts and on our hearts and on our responses. We'll be professional. We'll say all the right things. We'll have everything organized. We won't uh, let even our thoughts run away with us because this guy's significant. He's the boss and we respect him and we show him that respect, right? But it's easy with people that we see as less significant than ourselves. If you think this guy's like a lowly cleaner, And that's not true about cleaners. But if you think this guy's like a lowly cleaner and he's just some guy who comes in and less significant than you somehow, then it's easy for us to not have any tight rein over our thoughts or over our facial expressions or over our sarcasm or our meanness. And we might treat them differently. Can you see what I mean? When we consider, look, this is God's word. 
practical advice on how our brains actually work. Consider the other more significant than yourself and you'll be able to keep that tight rein on your own emotions or from letting your brain go ahead and vent without you. Does that make sense? And this is what I had to do. Once I recognised that I was, you know, thinking all these unloving thoughts towards this person, to say the least, I have to start meditating and thinking about what Jesus did on the cross for me, he did on the cross for my annoying guy. He loves him so much. He gave him a destiny that is great. He wants everything. He gave up heaven for my annoying guy. And so I have to keep reminding myself of this guy's significance to Jesus. So that's step one. Consider them significant. and Make sure that we're not getting all full of ourselves, uh, like we're better than them somehow. The second key is this. Oh, that's not the key, but look. Jesus doesn't call him annoying guy. <laughs> Jesus calls him beloved, much-wanted son, or beautiful, longed-for daughter, or something like that. He's calling them son or daughter. And I need to look through the eyes of Jesus to see how significant he considers them. Second point is, take every thought captive to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about demolish everything that sets up itself as knowledge against God. And then it says this, absolute killer line. Definitely write this one down. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I knew this verse already, and I've been telling heaps of people for a long time. But if I had been doing this properly, I wouldn't have got to the point where I am, where my skin itches when this person enters the room and chews so loudly with their mouth open. If I had have taken every thought captive way back in the beginning, if I was doing this on a regular basis, then I wouldn't have got to that point where it was so late in the day for me. And this goes for anything that we're going through. When we can hear those, we need to be aware. We need to be conscious of the thoughts that we're thinking, the thoughts towards each other, the feelings towards each other, and also our circumstances, our responses, also uh, the things that are occurring in our lives. And the thoughts that we think about ourselves, we need to take every thought, every single one captive, and we wrestle it down, and we make it obedient to Christ. That is to say, we get those thoughts and say, in the context of Jesus, in the light of Jesus, is this even okay to be thinking? And if it's not, then we get it out. And don't you know, the more that you entertain a thought, the harder it is to get out of your thinking pattern. And we know that from science as well. We actually lay down thick neural brain pathways, the more that we think of a thought. So Jesus advises us because he made us. He knows how our brains work. He's like, take every thought captive before it has a chance to grow into a huge, unruly tree, which is so hard to get rid of. Take every thought captive. Number three is to ask Jesus for help because I've tried to change my heart by willpower alone, doesn't happen. Anyone ever had a broken heart and just decided one day, today I'm over him, doesn't happen. Today I'm happy. Today I'm cool with annoying guy, it doesn't happen. Even if you hear these scriptures, it doesn't, we don't have any control over our hearts, do we really? Scant control. And it's in the Bible as well. And I think it's Romans 7, Paul says, I do what I hate and I hate what I do. And the good that I want to do, I don't even do it. And then the stuff that I don't want to do, the bad I don't want to do, 
I do that instead. What a wretched man I am. He says, where is the answer for this? We don't really have a great deal of control over our hearts, especially once they get to this point. And we need to ask Jesus for help. Because the word of God says, God says, I will take your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So God wants to give us a heart transplant. We can't do this stuff without the spirit of God. We can't just change our mind when we're super irritated with a person. We can try and say the right things and capture our thoughts, but we need the power of God to change our hearts. And so I'm begging God every day, sometimes minutely, half minutely. I'm still halfway through the process, you can tell. <clears throat> to change my heart, help me see annoying guy like you see in Jesus. Help me to know what you know about them. Take every thought captive and change my heart. I'm begging Jesus to change my heart. And the last one is this. The, key, the last key is make allowances for each other's faults. So in Ephesians 4, which is like the blueprint for One Heart Church, the church that we're making ourselves on, verse 2 it says, be patient with each other, make allowances for each other because of each other's faults. All through the New Testament, you'll see over and over and over again, it says, bear with one another, bear with one another, bear with one another. And basically, it's like when your mum said about your brothers and sisters, just put up with it. If he's not hurting you, just put up with it. She said that. <laughs> if you're a parent, have you ever said that? Hands up. Yeah. Put up with your brother or sister. Because you know why? They're putting up with you. We need to make allowances for each other because they're making allowances for us. Uh, get off our high horse. Don't think so highly of ourselves. And bear with each other, put up with each other, make allowances, give each other loads and loads of rope, give each other lots and lots of chances, put up with each other because of our love and because they're our brothers and sisters in Jesus and they're making allowances for us. So count others more significant. Take every thought captive. Ask Jesus to help and make allowances for each other. And these are all from the scripture about how our brains and our hearts work. And these are the keys that will help us to uh, love and have honor and respect for annoying people in our lives. Not only just deal with them or put up with them, but to actually be able to love with them. And obviously you've heard I'm halfway through the process and I know that it's tiring and I know that it's so hard. It is so much work. If your thoughts are unruly and your heart's all over the place, it's so much work to take every single thought captive. But just let me encourage you, keep going until you get your breakthrough. Keep pushing, keep putting the Word of God into practice because no Word of God will come back void. Everything that God says is going to work. The word of God will never fail. How's that? And if you don't have annoying guy in your life right now, I'm not going to prophesy it. I'll just leave that thought with you. Because last year I didn't either. Okay. So I'm just going to close with a, uh, just a one-minute video which really sums up what I've been talking about and then we'll just, uh, just close in prayer. So we'll have the lights down and pop the video on. Some people.
Come on, man. Some people only care about themselves. No one cares about your stupid vacation. Some people treat others poorly. Do we have anarchy? There's certain things that are right and there's certain things that are wrong. So don't believe what are you talking about? Some people only care about being right. Some people don't seem worth the time. But the truth is, most people are just working to get by. Most people are terrified to reveal their scars. Most people are fighting an invisible battle. Most people are worth the effort because all people are created in the image of God. All people carry the glow of the divine. All people matter enough. for God to become one of them. God thinks every person is worthy of love. Imagine if we did too. Let's be a church where everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything is possible. So let's just pray. I'll just get you to close your eyes even. And um, perhaps if you have an annoying person in your mind, just uh, hold them in your mind. Or maybe you've got a lot. Just maybe to pick the top five, uh, top ten. Hold in your, in your mind now and, and we'll just pray. So, Lord Jesus, uh, we come to you with these people on our hearts and in our minds now. And we just acknowledge that so often we just see them as annoying to us and irritating to us. And, and they rub us up the wrong way or maybe even totally wreck our day. But... but here in your presence, we know that you don't see them that way. You see them as your much-wanted, much-loved son, your beautiful, longed-for daughter, your child who you will never give up chasing after and loving. And so we repent of those things that we've thought or said or done when our hearts have been hard against them and we ask you to give us your eyes for them, to give us your heart for them. Help us to see them the way that you do, to consider them so significant to you, Jesus. Because we want to have your heart, Lord, and that's how we walk in freedom. Amen. When we put God's word into practice, the fruit of it is peace. 
so we won't have that inner fight inside ourselves anymore. We'll be able to see annoying guy. They'll be able to do all their annoying stuff. And we won't be unsettled and ruffled by that. We'll be able to walk in peace and, and, and still display all the fruits of the Spirit. So whatever else you've been going through this week, you know, the Word of God is, is there for you. And, and there's an echo of what you're going through in the pages uh, and instruction and how to live and, and take every thought captive uh, is good for every situation. So I just pray that God blesses you this week. And if you are like me, struggling with uh, relationships somehow in your life, that we would just look to God and follow his word. His word will never fail. So let me encourage you in that as well. I'll hand it back now to Pastor Beth.